Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, Rip City? This is the Believe in Blazer podcast presented by Bet Online. I am your host, Stephen Vaughn. I'm with my co-host, Tori Jones. Tori, what's going on, man? It's, uh, we just got done with the Blazer Uprise watch party. Uh, this past Monday against the Pistons, great outing, a lot of fun. Uh, I was there as well. Watched the game against the Pistons, had a nice little setup, had the screen going, had the game going, had some food, had some drinks. Uh, you guys did the post-game wrap-up show, so that was really good. Man, how you guys? How you feeling about that? How you just feeling overall right now? Dude, I slept so much last night because there was so much, like, just stress. I've never thrown an event before, so just making sure the game feed was good, the projector was good enough. Um, I had somebody else handling food, luckily, so I didn't have to worry about that. But then selling tickets, checking people in, like... There's so much little stuff that goes into that. And then especially streaming afterwards, making sure that was good to go. And streaming in front of people for the first time in my life was a cool experience. But there's just so much that goes into that, man. I was stressing. And uh, it went about as good as I could have hoped. It was an awesome time. It was good to see you. It was good to meet some other people. But yeah, I basically went into a freaking coma after that and just relaxed for like... 18 hours slept 11 and uh yeah now i'm kind of getting back into the swing of things with this podcast yeah no it was good man uh you know it was good to put a put a face to people like you watch your guys streams you see some of the comments and like you can put a face to people now and uh you know i met eric for the first time i think this was the second time i've met you in person but um no it was a lot of fun and uh you know be sure to check out tory uh at tory jones yt I'm sure you guys are going to be doing that again. Hopefully, you guys will be doing that again. Yeah, and, right uh, now, the rumor is the Monday after the Super Bowl. Perfect. Yeah, so uh, put that down in pencil for everybody and uh, get out there. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, of course, we are presented by Bet Online. Uh, you know, sports just everywhere. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Of course, you can bet on the NBA, NFL, college football. National Championship coming up. Georgia TCU. You got to take Georgia laying the points. TCU. TCU's not very good. NHL. Whatever you want to bet on, you can bet that. Head on to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That is promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game stops. Tori, I'm looking at it. the game stops? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It starts and stops. That's where the game starts and stops. Yo, GameStop. I'm thinking GameStop. I went to GameStop on um, on Monday yeah. with my kids because you know they they got like gift cards and cash for Christmas, so they're like, "Oh, we got to go to GameStop." So that's what I was thinking. I was thinking GameStop. Who even uh, they, thinks about GameStop anymore? I'm surprised they're still in business. Anyway, I don't want to turn this into a GameStop slander show because I was dude. one of those kids back in the day, man. I loved myself some GameStop. Good to see that they still exist somehow. You didn't join in on the uh, the investments of GameStop when it boomed the other couple uh, years ago? I did not have the uh, monetary flexibility at the, at the time to be able to jump on that bandwagon. I jumped on it. I, I lost a little bit. I jumped on it when it was at its highest and then sell when it's at its lowest. You know, I'm one of those guys. But, uh, okay, so, yeah, where the game starts. I apologize, Tori. But uh, bet online. Dude, they got stuff for everything. They got these props. All right. So LeBron's going to break the all-time points record, right? It could actually be against the Blazers, I believe, as it's coming up soon. Uh, right now, you can bet on how will LeBron break the all-time NBA points record. A two-point shot, a free throw, or a three-pointer. Of course, the two-pointer is the big-time favorite, minus 285, free throw plus 325. 
three points or five fifty. Uh, you know what? I wouldn't hate a free throw. You remember how Damian Lillard broke the Blazer record? Was a free throw. He tried to get the three pointers. He tried to do those shots uh, coming off the screen, kind of fade and missed. He said, "I'm getting to the bucket. I'm trying to get a dunk." He got hacked. Got to the free throw line. I don't hate. I don't hate free throw plus three twenty five. I would take the free throw or the three. The two-pointer being the favorite, I feel like he's going to, I don't know, gut feeling, he's going to drive and get fouled, or he's going to shoot one of those uh, patented step-back threes where he, like, looks at the ball while he dribbles and then steps back for some reason. You know what move I'm talking about. Yeah. So I would bet on one of those two things, uh, especially because you'll get better odds on him. I totally agree. I actually think that's exactly what it is. Like, you know, he's going to get fouled when he gets to the rim. So, uh, yeah. Go on there. Go and bet online. Get the 50% bonus. Go bet on free throw. I like free throw. Uh, Tori, so today we got a big big show coming up here uh, on the Believe in Blazer podcast presented by Bet Online. We got my guy Evan Giddings. He is from 95.7 The Game down in the Bay Area. Uh, he's also a play-by-play guy. He's a big Warriors guy. It's the station that has the Warrior games on the radio station. He's going to stop by, talk about GP2. Uh, you know, the thing about Devin is what I like about this and this perspective that he has. He used to work up with me up in Portland uh, over at Rip City Radio. Like, when we both started, we were both in Portland and then, and, uh, you know, we got we got to be friends there. I talked to him when the Blazers played the Warriors the other night, and I wanted to get him on here just to get that perspective because he has the perspective of a Blazer fan and a Warrior fan. And now with GP2 coming back, I had a lot of questions about GP2. So we're going to bring Evan on, uh, talk to him about GP2, just about the Warriors in general. So that's going to be a good time. Um, and then it's just going to be us, which is always a good time as well. So uh, with that said, Tori, let's uh, let's pop Evan on. And uh, of course, everyone give him a follow at egiddings10. Uh, he's a good follow. He's a good dude. Uh, this is us with Evan Giddings talking GP2 and the Trailblazers. Evan, what's going on, my man? We used to work together at Rip City Radio. Haven't seen you for a while. I texted you the other day because uh, I needed to know if Clay Thompson was playing when the Blazers played the Warriors because I wanted to put a lot of money on the Warriors to win the game, but I needed to know Clay was 100% healthy. And of course, when I'm making my bets, is that bet online. That's where I'm making all my bets. But I had to text you and I was like, hey, let's get you on the pod. Let's talk about GP2s, man. So what's going on, man? How you doing? Dude, it's been good, man. I know it's been a minute. Obviously, we worked, worked together back in the day in Portland. And it's been great since then. Obviously, you guys kind of helped me get my start there in that town, and it was great covering the Blazers. And now being a Barry boy back home in San Francisco, getting to cover the Warriors for the Warriors radio station, it's kind of a, a full circle for me. So got love for Portland, got rub, love for Rose City, and I love the fact you guys got me on your pod. So thank you, man. Yeah, man. No, it's cool. I thought it was a cool perspective because you were here. You are up here in Portland. Uh, you know, you've been around this team but you, like you said, you're a Warriors fan. Now you're down there in the Bay Area, uh, all about them. So I, you know, first off, GP two, uh, he just finished, and we're recording this game, recording this pod. He just played his first game against the Pistons. Thirteen minutes, he had a nice game. Uh, so I got a couple questions about GP two real quick here. Um, I want to know, Evan, is there anything that GP two does to help a team that, like, if you don't watch him night in and night out, like you wouldn't recognize how good he is at certain things. Because I feel like that's what his his vibe is in Portland. Like, he's going to do all the little things. But, like, are there any particular things that he does that you're like, all right, th- this is what this guy helps with? Well, he's a very cerebral player. And it's kind of hard to recognize unless you're watching him on a, on a night in and night out basis, like you mentioned. But that was something that I immediately noticed when he joined Golden State. Because he was 
he was supposed to fill out the back end of the roster last year and quickly uh, moved his way up just because of his tenacity on defense and his court awareness on offense. I would say that's his biggest asset is he always knows where to be. And even though he may not be, you know, a 60% from the field type shooter, 40% from three, like he was last year at Golden State for his career, um, he can knock down the shot when you need to. And he also understands where he fits on the court. So he may not be a shooting threat at all times, but he knows when to cut. He knows how to grab rebounds. Um, he knows how to be a nuisance on defense. Like he's an absolute pest. And so I think the fact that you pair him with, you know, a guy like Josh Hart, you're looking at two guys, you know, in your guard rotation that can be just buzzards to other teams and really annoying to have to always kind of know where they are on the court. Cause they might, they might back cut. They might sneak in for an offensive rebound and a putback, and they might even be able to knock down the open shot. So he kind of does a little bit of everything. And I thought when he left Golden State, that would be a huge void to fill, even though when you look at the stat sheet, you're seeing, okay, this guy's playing 18, 20 minutes a night. How big of a difference can he actually make? And the answer is a huge one when he's getting right. Yeah, absolutely. And in Portland here, we've had guards that can score, but our defense hasn't caught up to the elites, the Golden State Warriors teams like that, and fans have been begging for a guy like that that just knows where to be offensively and can get it done on the defensive end. Uh, so he's been awesome with Josh Hart, two of my favorite players on this team, but it looks like we're going to use him the same way that the Golden State Warriors used him in terms of him being a stopper but coming off the bench. So I was wondering how the complexion and feel of a game changes when he gets subbed in off that bench. Well, he plays a lot bigger than his stature. I mean, that that's for sure, because he's got super long arms. And coming off the bench, even though he, you know, is kind of the the off guard to, you know, either Dame, maybe Simons, whoever is on, you know, kind of controlling the ball, he's going to be the, the second guard on the floor. But, I mean, what you can expect from him is a dog. Like, I mean, that that's who he is and has been for the majority of his career. And, and he brings a unique perspective, obviously, you know, a guy who's kind of bounced around, but I'm sure he's automatically a local favorite in Oregon, just having balled out at Oregon state in his college career and now found his way back home in many ways. So it's going to be really easy. I think for people in Portland to love GP two, just as long as he can stay healthy. And that was something that he was able to do for the majority of last year in golden state outside of a couple of games in the playoffs due to, you know, some, anti or some some antics from memphis uh but for the most part gp2 is as sturdy as they come and he's a great guy to have around and the fact that you guys got him for you know three for 30 ish million dollars uh, i thought was a really good pickup this offseason do you think that you know because the thing about gary payton is is correct me if i'm wrong but he was almost going to be out of the league and pursue coaching had he not made the roster does it did you think that he was going to have this type of season Last year, you know, with Golden State, you know, averaging seven points a game, but playing really good defense. And now he's coming into Portland after getting the contract. Do you think there's any worries that it's a one-year wonder and, you know, it took him till his age 29 season to actually, you know, get consistent playing time for the first time in the NBA? Is that a real threat, like a real concern that you would have with GP2? Because for me, like, I want to see, or I want to think that, like, he figured it out, and it's going to be all good going forward. But at the same time, it's like he's bounced around the league. He's 29. He hadn't got a contract. Now at 30, he gets his first contract. Is it real, or is it you know just a one, one-off thing? I mean, he certainly had a fantastic season last year, and one that, if you look at his numbers, would stand out, and you'd just say, hey, like 
he never played more than 29 games in the NBA and he played 71 and he played rotational minutes in an NBA finals against the number one defense in the Boston Celtics. Like he was on the floor and he was kind of the seventh or eighth guy. So I'm, I'm sure it probably falls somewhere in the middle. I don't know if you're going to get, you know, championship GP two on a night in and night out basis, but you're not going to get a guy that was on his way out of the league either. So for Gary Payton, you know, it's about finding consistency on offense, you know, staying within the flow and being able to kind of find himself in Portland. Now, obviously you guys know how that option functions a lot better than I do, but in golden state, it's a movement first based offense. And one that I think featured him a lot better than his other stops, say, you know, Washington, Milwaukee, LA, when they're rebuilding. Um, so Gary Payton, the second hasn't necessarily had the benefit of being able to assimilate into an offense that was meant for him. He's kind of had to adjust to, you know, ball dominant guards or, wings that are trying to shoot first and so you know I've always thought that Portland is a team that that does a pretty good job at including everyone and needing everyone offense to be successful so if you're asking him to give you you know 20 minutes a night and primarily be able to defend you know a number one option either from the starting lineup or coming off the bench in that sixth man who can go cook I think that's a great role for him so as long as you're not expecting I guess too much then I would say it is for real. But if you're expecting a guy that's going to come in and maybe be able to, you know, start over an, or an extended period of time to be able to play 25 or more minutes, then you might be getting a little bit over your head. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of segues into this question. Um, Damon Steph have been compared throughout their entire careers. And uh, in some ways, they're similar, the deep threes, uh, heavy volume of threes, but they're also a bit different. Steph plays more mm -hmm. off the ball, and Golden State just in general has more of a motion offense than Portland has had, uh, which you were talking about. But how do you see Dame and GP2 fitting together on the offensive side of the ball with GP2 not being the best shooter? Well, that, that's certainly going to be a challenge, and I think it's also a challenge that Damian Lillard has kind of faced in his, his entire career is not having a, outside of C.J. McCollum, like a secondary scoring option to take and alleviate some of that pressure from him. So, sure, you, you love Gary Payton to be able to knock home the corner three. I think that is something that I, I would be able to expect from him at you know, hopefully a 35% clip. But if you're asking him to step out straight away from the wings and hit threes consistently – that might not be his bag. So, you know, for Damian Lillard, I, I, the one benefit of GP2 playing alongside Dame is I do think he is, you know, a, a, um, a player that can be successful alongside any guard. And, and again, I, I mentioned it earlier, but, you know, just because he stands six foot two, he plays much more like a six five or six six guard defensively. So if you're asking Damian Lillard to go out and, you know, do his thing on offense, well, if you're talking about comparisons between Steph Curry, one thing they both don't do a whole lot of is play top-tier defense. And so that's where GP2 can come in and kind of take away some of that that pressure of guys going at Dame on the other end of the court for 15 to 20 minutes off the bench, or even maybe at times starting if a guy like Josh Hart needs a night off or, you know, God forbid, gets hurt or something like that. So I don't have an issue or ha see an issue with him playing alongside Damian Lillard. But I also wouldn't necessarily get my hopes up that he's going to be the guy who last year was making 36, 30, 37% of his threes. Yeah, we saw in the first game, you know, he was used a lot as a screener. So, you know, I, I, I picture a lot of, you know, pick and roll, pick and pop type things with GP2 and Dame. Uh, just because GP2 can handle the ball a little bit, make a play off that 
pick and roll. So, I mean, I think that's something that he hasn't necessarily had in his career, so that's exciting to see. Um, I'm always interested in this question, Evan. Of course, this is Evan Giddings, our guest here. He's over at uh, 95.7 The Game down in the Bay. Um, I always am interested in this. So, you know, you know this. Up in Portland, up in Rip City, like, we're kind of crazy fans, right? Like, we love, we love the Blazers. Like, we always... You know, we kind of overrate all of our players. You know, when we talk in trades, like, I can't trade that guy. He's too good. Uh, we always think we're a little better than we probably are. From a Warriors perspective, down in the Bay Area, like, what is your guys' thought about the Portland Trailblazers? Like, what do you guys think about when you think of the Trailblazers? Like, are they actual, con- like, not contenders, but, like, are they a threat? Are they just kind of one of these fake teams and the fake Warriors? Is Dave not as good as Steph? Like, what are the what are your guys' thoughts down there? Well, it's interesting. I'm probably a little more uh, partial towards Portland just because I got my start there. I lived there, uh, lived in Oregon for a total of five years. So I love the Pacific Northwest. It's interesting because I do think also when you're talking about maybe overvaluing your players, overblowing them, so to speak, we we definitely do that in Golden State. <laughs> we absolutely do that in Golden State. It, you know, there's. There was an off-season rumor about, you know, uh, you know, Kevin Durant maybe maybe not being available in Brooklyn. And it's like, well, you know, we can't give up Kaminga. You know, Kaminga is going to be the, the next star. We can't give up James Wiseman, even though he's only played, you know, 40 NBA games in, in two years. I mean, we can't give him up. You know, this guy's going to be the next David Robinson or this guy's going to be the next, uh, you know, big man of the future. It's, so everyone kind of does that. I know they do that in Sacramento, too, up in here in NorCal. And they're like, you know, Darren Fox is a, you know, top three point guard, top two point guard in the league. Like, just look at what he's doing. Everyone does that a little bit, so I wouldn't hold yourself um, too, you know, too low in that regard. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that because uh, I mean, I feel like maybe I'm a little too hard. So good, I'm glad. Yeah. As far as what Golden State thinks about Portland, I know that I thought Portland was a, a playoff team coming into this season. I thought I thought the trade for Jeremy Grant was really big, and even though he's not necessarily, um, you know, a, a two way guy, and you'd like to see him rebound more. I think he's probably, I mean, since, since I was in Portland, I think he's the best wing that Dame has played with. I don't know if you guys would agree. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you add a 20 point score on the wing, who can go get his own shot and you pair him with Damian Lillard. I, I really like Anthony Simons. There's a lot of parallels between Anthony Simons and Jordan Poole with them being the same age. They signed the same, you know, extension pool a little bit more, but you know, I thought Anthony Simons, that's a pretty good guy, a pretty good deal that to keep a guy like that um, who's got a ton of upside and in, and in some ways might even be better than Jordan Poole. So, you know, and then obviously you still have Nurkic. Uh, you got Josh Hart, who is quietly one of the, you know, saviors for you guys this season, was a really good return in the C.G. McCollum deal. So, you know, Portland, they, they kind of always run into this situation, like where they got these – these sneaky teams, you know, Damian Lillard's obviously a stud, but, you know, he's just got some nice pieces around him. And you guys know how to play basketball up in Portland. So, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of the Chauncey Billups hire at the time, but if that's who Damian Lillard wanted, that's who he feels comfortable with. That's who you got to go get. And I think in his second season, he's also taken strides as a head coach. He's learning along with this team that has slowly gotten younger and done a good job of rebuilding while not necessarily having to tank, which is kind of a fine line that not every NBA franchise can walk. So what I would say down here in the Bay in Portland is, sure, maybe people don't see Portland as a threat, but they definitely don't see them as scrubs. And, and, and I think that, 
you know, the Trailblazers have been a model of, you know, maybe not championship consistency, but consistency in winning, which in the NBA nowadays is something you don't really find a whole lot of from small market teams or, or mid market teams. Sorry, I don't want to offend anybody. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're so, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Blazers and I really like what they've done so far this season, even though lately they haven't been playing their best ball. Yeah, and the West seems absolutely wide open right now, so I feel yeah. like there's eight, nine, maybe ten teams with hope to go on a run, maybe make an NBA Finals, which is awesome. This is what I, I wanted for a while back when uh, your Golden State Warriors were dominating the league. Uh, so I, I'm happy to feel at least, yeah, a little, sorry about it. <laughs> at least a little slim chance of hope. Uh, but you talked about James Wiseman, and there's been – Chatter, I don't think it makes any sense. I don't think it's legitimate chatter. But there's been people that have tossed out a potential GP2 reunion for the Golden State Warriors this year. I know you guys have had some stretches where you've struggled defensively. And there's been ideas. I don't know if it's just Blazer fans or if it's Warriors fans or both. But there's been the idea of a James Wiseman for Gary Payton II trade. How would you feel about that? Do you think that Golden State would entertain that? And what are your thoughts? I personally don't think that Golden State would come near that deal. Uh, I don't think they would touch it with a 10-foot pole or however long James Wiseman's wingspan is. <laughs> I don't think they'd do it because I, I, the, I see I see what people in Portland might be trying to put together because the salaries match up. James Wiseman is moving towards, I think, 9 or 10 million GP2 is in that range, so they'd be able to make it fiscally work. But um, – I think the Warriors, unfortunately, were okay with with letting GP2 walk this last offseason. And, and honestly, the last couple of weeks, the play from Dante DiVincenzo has really reassured a lot of both fans and I think people in that organization that they made the right choice in allowing Gary Payton II to walk and then giving kind of a, a similar prove-it deal to DiVincenzo, who in many ways is is sort of similar as far as his tenacity on defense. He's a little bit of a sh- little bit better of a shooter not as good of a rebounder, uh, but can step in and play more minutes and has been a part of a championship team in Milwaukee, even though he was he was hurt that year. So um, I, I I would probably say Ixnay on the on the Wiseman GP two deal. Also, there's there's like if you're if you're Portland, I I see, I see why you would want that deal. But honestly, it if you're Golden State with James Wiseman, you're kind of stuck because I personally think that. There's too much upside for you to move off of him. But if you're another team, you haven't seen enough to actually make a legitimate evaluation of his game. So you're basically just, you know, assuming that his rookie season in which he played his most is going to be something he builds off of, which he has kind of a little bit. But, you know, if you paid attention to him this season, like up until I would say the last week or two, he has been an absolute net negative when he's been on the court to the point where they sent him down to the G league. So that should keep anybody's radar up to the point where James Wiseman, I don't know if he's highly sought after on the trade market. And I don't think golden state would be willing to move off of him. Evan, I'm gonna get you out on this one. Uh, Warriors right now, ninth place in the Western conference, but you know, tied with the blazers only half game out of that sixth spot from the Clippers. Uh, you know, what's the expectation? Is there a thought that the Warriors are still going to be in the play-in by the end of the season? Or, you know, you guys have won five in a row. Steph has been out, but you're still winning without Steph Curry. Like, are the Warriors going to be in the top six? Are they shooting for the top three seed? Or do you think a play-in possibility is still out there, you know, with the uh, championship hangover? 
Yeah, I, I do think they're just starting to get over that championship hangover, although their worst road, ro- worst road record in the NBA would tell you that they haven't got over their championship hangover. So this next uh, five-game trip that's coming up in, a, in about a week is going to be a big test for them. I Look, I, I was nervous about this team a month ago, and, and I think the organization was nervous about the Golden State Warriors a month ago to the point where t- people are discussing potentially trading James Wiseman or Jonathan Kaminga or Moses Moody to try and maximize Stephen Curry's window. I mean, we don't know how long that's going to be, even though he's still continued to play at an MVP type level. But as soon as, oddly enough, Stephen Curry gets hurt, Andrew Wiggins goes down, you lose your two best players, and then the team starts to turn it on. Then you start to think, okay, well, if they're winning five in a row and you know some of these young guys are, are starting to step up, Draymond Green's returning to form and he's playing in what potentially could be a contract year for him. Clay Thompson's got one deal on his left or one year left on his deal. He's starting to shoot the rock a little more efficiently. Jordan Poole, who has always played better as a starter, has found himself. Can he return to a role in the sixth man? Can he take can everyone really in what the minutes that they've been given now and the progression that they've shown over the last five games, can they channel that when Curry and Wiggins return to the fold? If the answer is yes, then this is a team that's looking at, in my opinion, easily a top six seeding in the Western Conference. If not, they might be fighting to get out of the play-in. I think if this team wants to return to the mountaintop to defend its crown and win another championship, they need to at least be a top six seed. And I would love to see them be a top four seed with the amount of injuries going around the West and the parity that you that you guys are talking about. You know, Zion, Zion Williamson is going to miss a month. Uh, Devin Booker's out for a month. You know, there are teams that are trying to find themselves. Are the Mavs really a top four seed? I don't know. You know, is, is Memphis going to stay up there? Probably. Is Denver going to be the number one seed in the Western Conference? I'm not so sure. You know, the Warriors still have a viable uh, chance to get to that four seed. If you're telling me that they got to get past the Kings and the Mavs, I think they can do it if this, you know, kind of lightning in a bottle that they found in the last week or so can continue once you bring your big dogs back and assimilate them back in. So, you know, I, I think the Warriors and the top six seed is well within sight. And they need that if they're going to win the championship, because like you said, the West is wide open and I don't see why they can't come out of the Western conference this season. My only concern would be who comes out of the East, because in my opinion, the two best teams in the NBA currently lie in that conference in Boston, Milwaukee. So golden state is, is in as good of a spot right now as they could hope for compared to how they started. Uh, But they still got a lot of work to do if they want to try and maintain their King of the Hill status. Yeah, man, that Western Conference is going to be brutal, man. Evan Giddings, 95-7 the game. Catch him at egiddings10 on Twitter. Evan, my man, want to thank you for coming on, hopping on, and uh, joining us, man. I appreciate it. Got a lot of love for Portland. Anytime, guys. Thank you so much. Want to thank Evan Giddings for popping on with us. Of course, follow him at egiddings10. That's Giddings is G-I-D-D-I-N-G-S. Giddings, Evan Giddings. He's a, he's a good dude, Tori. Like, uh... You know, when I started, he was, uh, I believe he was the producer of a show. And so he was pretty good and helped me out a lot. But uh, he's a good dude. He's very smart as well. Like, you you talk about, like, fans. He's a big fan of the Warriors. But he's also pretty level-headed as well. And I like the fact that, you know, he has the perspective of being a Blazer fan as well. He likes the Blazers. He was up here in Portland. He understands the, you know, tenacity that Blazer fans have. I thought he was a good guest, man. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. He spoke on a lot of things that uh, I want to touch on here, especially the parody he was talking about, man. It's just interesting to see how another 
uh, fan or another media person covering a different team looks at the Western Conference, and it's basically exactly how I look at it, even though the Warriors obviously won the championship last year and won, have won a bunch of them in the past decade, even he sees it as a wide open West. So I thought that was really intriguing because I feel like Warriors fans at least a lot of them probably think, oh yeah, when it comes April, May, we're going to run away with this thing. The West is weak. We're going to take care of business. It's weaker than it was last year. Look at the teams at the top. They're no match for us. And I couldn't even blame a Warriors fan for thinking that way. So I was curious to hear about his thoughts on the way the West was shaping up. And yeah, he thinks it's wide open as well. And that's what's making this season so much fun for me, uh, especially as we get towards the trade deadline where one trade can put a team can raise a team a tier because there's not much separating these teams. Just one addition can make a world of difference and it's going to create a lot of intriguing storylines the rest of the season. Yeah, he was, uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he was a little more negative and a little more down on the Warriors than I thought he would be. Did you get that vibe from him as well? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know because I still haven't figured out the Warriors and it sounds like he hasn't fully figured out the Warriors this season. They've just been a completely different team at home and on the road, championship hangover and whatnot. But uh, in the past, I've talked about Damian Lillard's injury potentially being a little bit of a blessing in disguise in terms of Anthony Simons being able to get going because he's been inconsistent. And we saw Anthony Simons have that 45-point game and look phenomenal uh, and had some really good moments without Dame by his side. Obviously, when Dame comes back, Simons doesn't have as much responsibility and isn't going to be putting up the same numbers. And it sounds like that's kind of the situation with the Golden State Warriors right now is Clay Thompson has gotten going. Jordan Poole has gotten going without Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins has missed some time. Even Draymond Green has hit a couple threes lately, hit a couple against the Blazers, hit a clutch one last night uh, against the Atlanta Hawks. So uh, it sounds like Guys are getting going with expanded roles, but will they play at that high of a level in a reduced role when Steph Curry and Andrew Wiggins is back? Because that's always been what makes Golden State great is having those role players that play their roles so well. That's why they've been a great team. Obviously, they've had star power, but you need those role players. And, uh, you know, we talked a lot about GP2. Hopefully, he could be one of them. So that's, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, uh, some other guys continue to play at the level that they're playing at when they get healthier. Yeah, I want to talk about this a little bit. And he touched on it, you know, what he was talking about GP2. I asked him, you know, kind of like the expectations. Um, was it a one-year wonder? And he basically said no, but only if he plays a certain amount of minutes. Like, he basically said if he plays over 20 minutes a night, like, that's when you're going to run into trouble. If you're playing him 15, 20 minutes a night, you're going to expect good things out of him. With the Portland bench being, I don't want to say bad, but just not, they haven't been good, right? I mean, Jamari Walker has been a pleasant surprise, but besides that, Justice Winslow hurt, Nasir Little hurt. GP2 is really one of the bench guys. I mean, Portland's going to have to play him at least 20 minutes a night. And uh, do you agree with Evan where it's like, if you're playing him 25 minutes a night, that's when his effectiveness is going to go down at some point? Or, you know, has he really turned the corners? He fit in well enough with this team where it doesn't matter how many minutes he plays, like he's going to fit in well enough. Yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to he plays with so much energy and to defend the way he defends at six foot two, you have to play with a bunch of energy. So obviously, the more you play, the harder it is to do that consistently. Um, and if he's not playing top-notch defense, then he's not GP2. He's just not that good of a player. So 
it's a challenge for Chauncey to find the minutes balance that maximizes Gary Payton the second. And it is something I'm a little bit worried about because this team desperately needs defense and Chauncey Billups has not handled minutes well this year at all. You've seen guys play 46 minutes in an overtime win against the New York Knicks. Justice Winslow was one of those guys playing 46 minutes. Like the starters have been playing a ton of minutes so far this year. So GP2 should help out with that, but it also needs to not be a situation where he's playing 32 to 35 minutes a game because I think it's going to be tough for him to defend the way that we know GP2 can defend. Yeah, I mean, you look at him last year. He was 17 and a half minutes um, for the Warriors, and you know that was that's by far the most he's ever played per game um, in a season. So I, I'm with Evan on that one. Like, It's just going to be interesting to see what exactly he is going to have to provide with the Blazers minutes-wise. Um, because the Blazer bench just isn't very good right now, and he's going to be relied on. I mean, you look last year, uh, GP2, he started 16 games a season to go for the Warriors. In those games, he played 23 and a half minutes. I think that's on the high side if he's doing that in Portland. I think he'll be okay. But again, he only started 16 and 71 games. So it wasn't as if he was getting thrown in the starting lineup. I think he's got to be around, you know, 15 to 20 because you're right. He plays so hard. You saw that in game one, how hard he plays on the defensive end. He made a couple really good defensive plays that led out to runouts or just got good stops for Portland. And that's what he's there to do. Like, they don't need him to score the basketball. They just need him to get some stops. So uh, that is a very interesting thing going forward. Uh, how much is he actually going to play per game? Like, he's going to play every game. He has a really big role in this team, but just how many minutes – per game GP2 plays. Um, I also wanted to talk about, uh, Evan talked about just the things that GP do, GP2 does night in and night out, just kind of the little things, the cerebralness of him. What was your takeaway from that? Because I think that's one of the things I look at GP2 and, you know, game one, he had a nice game, four assists, seven points. He actually put up some good accounting numbers. But I feel like as we go forward in the season, it's going to be things, not even in the stat book, that we're like, all right, this is why GP2 signed this contract. Yeah, and obviously we just need to see it consistently in order to truly understand that. Um, but one of the things he did mention as part of that that I thought was interesting was just talking about how well he moves off the ball, which is something we already kind of known. But it made me think about the contrast between Golden State and Portland. In Golden State, you have guys that can shoot, but also you have a lot of guys that know how to cut and know how to, um, you know, relocate along the three-point line and set off ball screens, and that kind of fits in with that. It's why they're the best movement offense in the league. They move players and move the ball really, really well. In Portland, it's not quite at that level, and you have more non-shooters. Trenton Watford, Drew Eubank, Justice Winslow that come off the bench and should end up playing next to GP2 and they don't move as well off the ball uh you can move well off the ball as an offensive player but if you have guys that are standing around if you don't have much space to cut into then it's not super effective so that's something that I'll be watching for for GP2 because even if he's great moving off the ball if he doesn't have other guys that work well with that in you know Justice Winslow might be a problem next to him if you play GP2 Justice Winslow and Drew Eubanks together I don't know if that can work offensively so it'll be interesting to see how that functions yeah, one of the things I'm I'm excited to watch is it's been an up and down roller coaster ride with Chauncey Billups this year. Uh, he's had some really good games. He's had some really poor games. I think GP2 is the type of player where 
he needs a coach putting him in the right spot to be really successful. And Evan even touched on that a little bit. Like he's not the best shooter. He's not the best ball handler, but you know, Steve Kerr put him in the right spots. You know, Evan talked about Chauncey Billups being a solid hire so far, but still learning on the job. Can Chauncey get him into the right spots? I think that's going to be really important going forward. And I, I, the question I have for you, Tori, is do you have the faith in Chauncey Billups right now that he's going to put him in the right spots? I feel like there's been some adjustments made so far this season. Um, not quite as much as I would like, but I think Chauncey's done a good enough job. I still have faith that Chauncey can put him in the right spots, but um, I think it's one of those things where GP2, he needs a coach that knows exactly what his skill set is, and Chauncey's got to do a good job. And if GP2 is not successful here in Portland, I I think a lot of it has to be blamed on Chauncey Billups. Yeah, I mean, also he just needs a better bench, though. And we've been talking about that for a while. I mean, it could be a combination of players that you just can't make work. Uh, so we'll have to see, but that's why it's nice to get GP2 back because you can see how he functions in lineups with some of these other guys. We'll see when Justice Winslow comes back and you can see really where the problems are. And maybe it's not something that Chauncey Billups can fix. Maybe it's something that Joe Cronin has to fix, but that is something for this team to figure out in the next month or so leading up to the trade deadline. No doubt, man. I, it's a, it's a fun time though. Uh, to, you know, Gary Payton, the second coming back, he, he's a guy that the Blazers have needed much of this season, and now that he's back, um, the bench just gets a little bit stronger. So uh, with that, we're going to wrap it up here. I want to appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, do all those type of cool things. Uh, leave comments. We love the comments. Again, thanks to Evan Giddings for popping on with us and talking some Warriors, talking some Blazers. Uh, catch him at egiddings10 on Twitter. Of course, he's at 95.7 The Game down in the Bay Area. Catch Tori at ToriJonesYT on Twitter. Check out Blazer Uprise, all their pre-post-game stuff, all their videos throughout the week. You can catch me at Steven underscore VON on Twitter. Do all this, man. We appreciate it. We appreciate all the support and all the love that we got the other day at the Blazer Uprise watch party. Uh, be sure to check out more of that news because I'm sure, as Tori said, there's going to be some news coming down the wire there on that. So for Tori Jones, I'm Steven Vaughn. Once again, thank you for listening. This is the Believe in Blazer podcast presented by Bet Online, And as always... Go Blazers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.